This is Umami Conversations. Conversations to feed your soul. Thank you for leaving a review on Apple and Spotify and rating us. Enjoy this episode. Blessing. Like, what? how were you living? Like, what are the, I would say, like, the values? What values did you carry? Were you carrying the Jehovah values? Were you carrying, you know, the Freemason <laughs> values? Were you carrying your own values? That's a great question. I would say it's all the above. Um, I already knew I was going to say HBCU. I already knew that I was going to go to college. College was pretty much being. You go to college, you definitely are worldly. What? <laughs> and, really? um, oh, oh, my God. Yes, because you're putting secular activity in front of the kingdom you're not so supposed to do, do that do what like how <laughs> i'm sorry oh we're gonna get deep no please laugh <laughs> it just didn't sit well with my soul and i was like i wow. can't rock with religion or even just you know being in social clubs or just a secret society that my dad was in because i knew all of it was just against my own i guess i had my own moral compass at that age too very um, young and That's I was cool. like, I can't, I can't. And I remember being so intuitive and, and sometimes I remember even suppressing my intuition because I was like, am I supposed to even feel it? And being okay with being judged. People gonna judge you whether you do good, for the good, for the glory, for the kingdom. <laughs> and people gonna judge you if you do, if you the scum of the earth. But you know, I'd rather be judged for, like I said, doing um, the work, being purposeful and being on my my soul path. And I feel down Hey, beautiful souls. So on today's episode, we have Andrea Starworth, MSW. She's an assistant professor and director of field education in the social work department at her beloved and illustrious Alma Mater, Tuskegee University. She's also an international speaker, author, certified life coach, scholar, taught leader, self-care advocate, blogger, and your favorite flag girl. Andrea has over 16 years of professorship, clinical social work, nonprofit and social services management, technology education, and divine feminine leadership experience. She's the digital storyteller, content creator, and co-founder of the Careerist Project and founder of the Brown Girl from Boston blog, both social impact startups that focus on developing happy, healthy, and holistic individuals through personal development and professional development, through life coaching, mentoring, and facilitating online workshops and webinar. Andrea decided to pursue self-care, leadership, and life branding coaching after dealing with vicious trauma, compassion fatigue, and breaking repeated cycles and curses. She realizes that people are bendable but not broken. She believes that people can navigate life happily and holistically through therapy, coaching, and healing of the root level of trauma. This is Turning My Pain into a Purpose with Andrea Stallworth. Enjoy. Hey, so, Drea. Yes, sis, we back in the building. We back in the <laughs> building, yes. But this time around, you know, it's just you and I behind um, our mics <laughs> yes. um, uh, in front of, well, an, still an audience, you know, but an, an audible audience, if that's the way to say it. Um, welcome. Welcome once again. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Same here, same here. For those that didn't know, Drea and I, we did a live for season two. We spoke about, um, during our live on Instagram, uh, we spoke about the feminine energy. Was yes. that what? Yeah, yes. yeah. Feminine energy. That was a really awesome live. That was a really awesome live. If we could have recorded it, like I tell you. So here we are, Drea. Today we're, we're diving into a topic that I just want to put it out there. Whatever that we're going to share today is from a personal experience. And basically, our goal is to always remind people that they're not alone in the experiences that mm-hmm. they have and that there is a way. There is a way out. There is a way in. There is always a path. There is always something, someone available to be there, hear you, be with you, be like, yeah, I know you. I know that story, sis. Exactly. And we're going to dive into your story, um, Drea. So I remember we had a conversation and you told me that you grew up in um, as a Jehovah Witness. Yes. 
Can you share a little bit about that experience um, growing up as a Jehovah's Witness? Definitely. So um, I would say it was an interesting experience. It taught me a lot of positives as far as with being um, courageous, mm. learning how to speak to strangers. Because when you go door to door and you're actually doing ministry work, you have to knock on doors. You have to pretty much preach the word of, mm. you know, of God. And mm-hmm. um, also, too, it helped me to learn how to be a public speaker. People rather die mm-hmm. <laughs> than to, you know, to actually use their voice to speak truth to power, whatever that means to each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. So growing up, um, I grew up very, it was restrictive, but being the youngest and the only girl, I kind of got my way in certain things. Okay. So growing up as a Jehovah Witness, um, as a woman, you kind of knew your place and you kind of had to fall back for a little bit. You know, um, mm-hmm. of course, the men took the lead, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that being traditional. Mm-hmm. And also too, I didn't celebrate holidays. So yeah. I still don't celebrate holidays. So that kind of, you know, is, yeah, I don't miss it. That stuck with mm-hmm. me. I carry that on. But you know, you don't pledge of allegiance to the flag or any of the, those things. So you're pretty much neutralized when it comes to just being part of the world. You know, we hear about mm-hmm. that in mm-hmm. scriptures, not being part of the world, but you know, you still have to coexist in the world. Mm-hmm. So my friends were pretty much all Jehovah Witnesses. We grew up together. Mm. We had our own like separate lives. So it's like you have this secular life, but you have this life with your friends in which, you know, it was uh, insulated. You know, we mm-hmm. was like in our own enclave. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, it, it was, like I said, very restrictive. You have to learn how to navigate the world, being a Jehovah Witness and being, like I said, part of the world. So, yeah. you know, people will have questions. I remember being in elementary school, had mm-hmm. to have my own coloring books when it came to, you know, holiday season. Mm-hmm. Right. I you know, even though I was at the same table with my classmates, but they was coloring, let's say, Halloween stuff. I'm just coloring, you know, just a regular, regular thing, you know, regular pictures. thing, you know. Yeah. Right. And so with my parents being from Alabama, we used to travel, me being from Boston, we used to travel to Alabama to visit family okay. members. Okay. And the awkward thing is like seeing your cousins opening up gifts and you're sitting there like... Just staring at them. Staring at them <laughs> like, okay, this is awkward. Um, You know, so that was mm. a, that really toughens your skin yeah. as, a, as a child. As a child. And going into as an adulthood. And, you know, you just get used to, okay, I'm going to constantly be excluded mm. from things. Um, and so I always felt like odd growing up, but I also mm. had more of a intuitive self. And I right. really, growing up in a religion, I didn't really have a chance to research other spirituality practices or religious mm-hmm. practices because like this is the truth you yeah. don't need to research anything else exactly. if you do you're going to get um pretty much um punishment or Punish a consequence for it, for it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so i just feel like that keeps you know it's like the blind leading the blind you know you have to pretty much this is what goes and that's it um so yeah so and also to another thing growing up um as a jehovah witness even secular, you could wear pants, women. But when you right. are going, attending uh, religious ceremonies, which is called the Kingdom Hall. The Kingdom you Hall, have to wear, yes, yes. Yes. So you have to wear dresses or skirts, and it has to be an appropriate right. limb. So right. modesty, which I still hold on to my modest um, right. you know, um, outlook, and also to yeah. be in cha- um, chase. Yes. That was definitely preached a lot upon um, us, and then also to... That's why I feel like I'm a perfectionist because it's like you make any mistakes, you're like going you to have consequences. Fall. You cannot fail. You cannot make the slightest. You got to be perfect. Literally. Pretty much. You have to be perfect. But behind closed doors, you know, my mom was a Jehovah Witness. It still is a Jehovah Witness. And my dad wasn't. So, you know, we kind of grew up huh. in this divided household. My dad's pretty much was like, you know what they said, like a... See on me. He went to like church Christmas, Mother's mm-hmm. Day, Easter, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. um, was pretty much a Baptist. But my dad's okay. also a um a Mason. So if anybody knows about Masons, Freemason, Prince Hall, you know, we can have a whole conversation about that. You know, no. do your research on that. That's so interesting though. Mm-hmm. So you grew up <laughs> No, because these are two totally opposite, I would even say belief systems. Yes. Like, totally. Like, yes. <laughs> totally. Totally um, different belief systems. So I'm, I have learned different rituals 
you know, with going to my dad's Masonic because mm-hmm. they have their events. So mm-hmm. like my parents, when they were still, you know, married, we'll have to go mm-hmm. to my dad's events and have to learn different rituals. I'm like, hold on, mm-hmm. wait a minute. What's then, going on? Yeah, what's going on? Then Sunday, you're going to the Kingdom Hall and you have a certain, you know, belief systems being pumped into you. Okay. So I mm-hmm. always tell people I grew up very unorthodox. So there yeah. was no like, you know, like, yeah. hey, this is the way because both my parents was, they wasn't equally yoked when it yeah. comes to religion. Yeah. Yeah. And plus my mom converted to Jehovah Witness, I think in the seventies. So mm-hmm. she was on her own path her of own finding, dream. you know, religion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I just think like my dad was like, Well, I'm gonna rock out and do my own thing over here. Did your parents meet before this whole Mason and like him being a Mason and her being a Jehovah Witness? They met before that? Yeah, my parents is high school sweethearts. So they oh. met in the sixties and moved to Boston in the seventies. So okay. my parents were together for a long time. So they okay. dated, got married, you know, moved to Boston. So they was married for like twenty something years before they got divorced. So, you know, yeah. um, I think it, it was one of those situations in which my parents were like, Well, I'm gonna do me over here as far as with religion. You, either you can gonna rock with it or not, or not. but we're gonna respect that. And then okay, you wanna join this, you know, organization, I'll rock with it, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna join as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. But then, how did you feel growing up, though? Like, yes, you did. You did grow up in an unorthodox setting, but weren't you confused a little as a little girl because you know you're going into? I'm not. I don't know too much mm-hmm. about Freemasons or mm-hmm. anything. Well, not too much about them, mm-hmm. but from the little that I know, when you're talking about like rituals, and then you have. Jehovah and the things that they believe in, like, what were you taking in? Like, what, how were you living? Like, what are the, I would say, like, the values? What values did you carry? Were you carrying the Jehovah values? Were you carrying, you know, the Freemason <laughs> values? Were you carrying your own values? That's a great question. I would say it's all the above. Um, So my dad also didn't participate in, you know, holidays because of my mom. So it was the respect. It was still that respect. So a lot for me is is honor, respect. Also, too, if like I said, Masons, they're very secretive. So, you know, even very. with secrets as well. So there's some certain things. Um, if someone would tell me a secret, I do hold on to it. So I also mm. hold value to that. Unless it's something like I'm going to harm myself or harm others because being a social worker, being a professor, I'm a man that reporter, too. so I have to report that. Yeah. But so... It was a little bit confusion there, like, hold on, so what do we rock with? So I think my parents came together and said, these are the values, you know, these are the Southern values that they came up with, and we're going to take religion out the box. The main thing was the Bible, right? You know, honor thy mother and my, and thy father, your days going to be long. So those things were definitely instilled within my siblings and I. So, you know, it was like a combination of all the above because Masons also, too, believe in the Bible, right. um, even though they're not. They said that they're more inclusive when it comes to religion, mm-hmm. but at the same time, too, it was like, all right, I understand we're coming from two different lenses, but we still got to teach these kids some tradition, exactly. you know, um, values and beliefs. Values. So, mm-hmm. you know, I really believe like my parents did a great job with that of combining. Oh, that's really dope. You know, both. So it's mm-hmm. um, so it was just more like, all right, we have to go to the Kingdom Hall because that's what Mom wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. So that that makes that makes a lot of sense. I do remember I I've been in the Kingdom Hall um a few times growing up. We we did have a moment where um there was a Jehovah's Witness lady that used to come to our place and like, you know, share your Bible the Bible well, it's a different Bible. It's their the Jehovah's Witness Bible. The right? new the new the, translation. Uh-huh. Yes, that Bible. <laughs> She used to share that with us and um, we started going there, but then obviously it wasn't something that I think my mom really wanted to, for mm-hmm. us to like dive into. And then when they realized that we weren't, I would say committed, you know, the lady just stopped coming. She right. stopped picking us up, you know, mm-hmm. she stopped showing up. And for me that, and cause I actually liked that she was a very sweet lady. I can't mm-hmm. remember her name, but she's um, Caucasian lady, very sweet, you know, when she came, like just, her voice and the way that she would share the scriptures, you know, she knows her scriptures, right? But then after when it was like, oh, we're cut out because we don't want to be like committed or do exactly what you guys tell us to do, then you're not part of us anymore. Like go away. That part. Right. That part of this religion. Mm -hmm. Did that affect you in any way? This whole, you're not part of us. You're not doing what we do, how we do it. How did that affect you? 
So that's a good point. So if you are not, it's pretty much if you're not down, you can't get down and there's no love lost, peace. It affected me in so many different ways. So just because you grow up as a Jehovah Witness, you still have to have Bible studies, individual Bible studies. And someone comes study with you and you have to commit your life to Jehovah. So what you do, you get baptized. And when they deem that you're ready, so that means you got to know the scriptures front to back, side mm-hmm. to side, round to round. You got to get mm-hmm. so many hours in field ministry. Also, too, you have to live, once again, this life that is deemed, you know, that's judged, that's okay by men, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it affected me in so many different ways because a lot of my friends, once again, um, either their dads were like elders. So they was like the head of the congregation. And Mm -hmm. I started seeing them wilding out because also, too, when you're at school, you can't participate in extracurricular activity. Me. I lived a little bit of a different life because I played basketball, I played volleyball, I did a whole lot of extracurricular activities because mm. my mom was a little bit lenient yeah, in that aspect. You couldn't that. go to prom, you couldn't go to dance, oh, any this of that. Is serious. I, yeah, I so thought it was serious. only like holidays, like oh, no, no, Christmas no. and Easter and, and no, those ma'am. things. So any form of celebration, any form of is celebration cut out. It's literally cut out because you're now trying to be influenced by the world. And then you're not gonna be in good standards with God, with Jehovah, because you are going to the prom and that's a worldly activity. Now you're trying to be a part of the world. Right. So it's very restrictive. So I'm going to tell you a really hurtful thing that happened to me. And I said, you know what? I don't want no parts of religion. So I like I said, my mom was lenient at this time. My parents was divorced. I was like 17. I already knew I was going to say HBCU. I already knew that I was going to go to college. College Mm -hmm. was pretty much being you Mm -hmm. go to college. You definitely are worldly. What? <laughs> and really? um oh oh my god yes because you're putting secular activity in front of the kingdom you're not so supposed what to do, do that you do what like how <laughs> i'm sorry oh we're gonna get laughing. deep no please laugh but, <laughs> but okay hold on so you're trying to tell me that they also deemed going to college as a worldly thing going to get an education going away to college yeah so because i went away i went from boston Uh, to alabama because uh, now i'm a part of the world instead of staying at home being a commuter student you know at one of the schools in boston or going to a community college i put secular activity in front of kingdom building wow so you can build kingdom in alabama you can, but we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk okay. about that. Okay. So um, when I decided, like I said, 17, I, I applied to schools and my first choice was Tuskegee because I was like, I want to go to HBCU. I had a tough time. I pretty much was like ostracized. I pretty much was ostracized. Um, they had a really tough conversation with my mom. And um, they was like, well, how can you let Andrea, you know, go to college? She's going to like uh, put secular activity she's gonna be part of the world and you know she's um going to leave jehovah so i had a lot of anxiety this is the first time i'm I'm saying this i had a lot of anxiety around it to the point i was having night tremors for years because i was like oh my god i'm gonna lose my life because i decided to go to college and i'm not gonna be part of the new world i'm not gonna be part of the kingdom i'm not gonna be part of the paradise so i was having night tremors and i used to wake up like oh my god my life is is gonna be over because i chose to go to college so it was um that was one of the toughest things that you know traumatizing ptsd i I experienced ptsd then i'm on my other homegirl um she decides to go to howard and gave her the business and you know, gave her her family the business. Like, how can you let her go to Howard? And then they blamed it on me and said, well, Andrea started this trend. So like of you leaving. influence, you influence them. Because <laughs> most the of my rebel. home, right. And most of my home girls, I have one that went to Alabama State. So most of my home girls were going to college. Mind you, other people that I grew up with, like some of my other home girls I grew up with, they had kids at like 14, 15 years old because, like I said, they were so under restriction, right? And so I'm like, they didn't even get harsh criticism. I got a lot of heat because, like you said, oh, she's a rebel. She's influencing these other people to leave the kingdom hall, to leave Jehovah Witnesses, to go to college and want to better yourself. Why do you need to learn secular education? I'm blown away by what you're telling me right now, to be very honest with you. I don't even know what to say because 
um, I would think I get it with the whole, um, you know, celebrating, celebrating holidays and stuff like that. Because even me, I'm at a, I'm at a stage in my life where I don't see the use of these holidays. They're, it's not that they're secular, but I think they're not. It's 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 um for me my my view of it is that built in capitalism and it was created from our colonizers and yes. you know that's 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 more <laughs> my view you know what I mean so holidays I'm like yeah sure like it's really not some so much of a big deal right. but then if the child is trying to get an education mm-hmm. in another place why is it so hard to perceive it as oh she's spreading the gospel because she's leaving this space which is mm-hmm. Boston to go to Alabama Mm-hmm. To spread more good news, right? Like, I would have perceived it like that, like if, exactly. if that was the case. But when you condemn, yes, I, when you condemn I, I education, don't to tell you, Andrea, I'm so sorry you had to go through this. Yeah, because, like, and it didn't get better. It didn't get better when I went to Alabama and I was um when I came to school down here, and also too, I was like, oh, I was going to the Kingdom Hall, and it was like not that far. I had got questioned hard. Why did you come to school down here? Why does your parent let you come to school down here? And you're on campus with these otherworldly people. You're going to have addictions. You're going to be, you know, um, participating in fornication. All these things. Like, so it traveled from Boston to Alabama. It didn't get better when I came to Alabama. So I made a decision. I think I want to say like my sophomore year, I said, I'm done. And I remember my mom came down and they treated my mom terribly when we went to the Kingdom Hall. And they questioned my mom again. So we going through this twice. Question my mom again, how did you let, you know, your daughter come to school down here? She's on campus at that. Oh, she is going to be wilding out. Now, mind you, my personality, I never was a type to wild out. Like, mm-hmm. I like to have fun, mm-hmm. but have fun with boundaries. Right, um, right, Because right. at the end of the day, I was taught, you know, the values that yeah, we taught because you. Of the, exactly. You know, you don't disrespect yourself. You don't bring dishonor on yourself. So I've always been that type of woman to like really hold my values to, you know, heart. So I'm like, here I go again, being dishonored. But y'all mm-hmm. want me to go out here and talk to worldly people and spread the good news. But yet, this is a double standard. But you're condemning me because I want to better my life. No, that's a bit problematic. And, you know, you're sharing this with me. And I'm just kind of thinking about all the other thousands or millions of other youth out there that are Jehovah Witness. We're not um, condemning this religion in absolutely no way. But just to say that one of the things with religion especially I call it like man-made religion, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's like one person that supposedly got a message from God and they start this whole thing and then people follow, it becomes very cultic. So I, I feel it's more, it was more of a cult than anything else. The problem with that is that they use their personal, their personal ideologies, their own desires or the things that will satisfy their themselves mm-hmm. to create <laughs> this whole thing. Right. Not everything is biblical because there is no way in, in, in heaven that somebody could tell me that in the scriptures, it tells you, you cannot go overseas to go and get an education. It doesn't, there's no such thing. Like there's nothing like that. And the worst part for me, Andrea, is the fact that you're being condemned. You're being judged, right? But then that same scripture scripture talks about how we ought we we should not judge, exactly, because exactly. Of the same judgment that we judge, we shall be judged by the, the judge of all, you know, right. by by the great I am. So it's like, what message are they really trying to give the youth? What mm-hmm. message are they giving you guys growing up, like right. the 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 teens or the young adults that wants to live a life? It's very controlling. It's a bit it is sick. Yeah, like, it's controlling. And like I said, either you only had a few options. Either you're going to get married young and you're going to marry somebody that is a baptized Jehovah Witness and you have your kids and then you will probably get like a city job or you work at the hospital, right? Um, or, you know, you're going to deal with consequences of, hey, I am going to make my own decisions. That don't mean I'm abandoning God. See, this is the thing. Where did Jehovah come? I don't, and I remember telling my mom this. I was like, none of y'all are Jehovah. He knows my heart. 
That's right. Not y'all. And so I remember having these tough conversations with my mom, mm-hmm. you know, and I love my mother to death, like BFF. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, she's like, well, Jehovah, you don't know if Jehovah's going to forgive me. What did I do? Because I went to college and then, um, then people will call my mom like, oh, well, you know, Andrea, she's going to come back radicalized. First of all, I've always been radicalized. <laughs> And who gave who 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 put that spirit in you or that exactly. you know it's that Jehovah they right. about. I've always been radicalized because you can ask anybody with the high school with how I felt about being a black woman, being black in America. So you talking mm. about you know in the nineties, late nineties, I was in high school, so I've always been radicalized. Um, but you know you have to have some type of uh, self preservation. When you have to deal with being so restrictive. And I understand it's for protection in other ways. You know, I get it. I get that part. But when you're coming down on someone who wants to better their life. And like you said, I could be better in my life for the kingdom. Yeah. And then people could say, wow, she has a balance. She's serving God. And also, too, she's getting a degree. But they're looking at it as you can't serve two masters. You can go to college and be religious as all as you want. That doesn't mean that God is going to look at you like, oh, you out here just getting it in and you just disrespecting me because you're going to get a degree. Now, like I said, if I was on campus wilding out, okay, yes, that's That's when you need to, that's a different story. And let's talk about wilding out or if you're breaking any of the commandments or if you're doing something to actually get, um, you know, reprimanded, you get Mm -hmm. this fellowship. This fellowship, that was another thing that really hurt me too. So someone goes and commits fornication, you have to go and tell the elders what you have done. Then if they feel that you're not repentant, then you are getting this fellowship. So this fellowship is kind of like excommunication from the Catholic church. They read your name on Thursday night off the platform and say, such and such is um, this fellowship. You cannot talk to this person. This person could be your cousin or your sister. You live in that same household. You cannot talk to them. They're pretty much shunned to the side. So were you disfellowshipped too? No, because I just became inactive. I just said, I'm not rocking with Jehovah Witness. Now, I'm going to give y'all an example. So I don't know if people know that Michael Jackson, when he made Thriller, he had to write a letter because he was a Jehovah Witness. His Mm -hmm. mom still Mm -hmm. practicing Jehovah Witness. Had to write a letter to the governing body. So the governing body is Bethel. That's in New York. So these mm-hmm. people are anointed by God. So 144,000, like we talked about in Revelations, mm-hmm. they're anointed by God. So they said because, you know, Thriller was demonic. So before he became this fellowship, he had to write a letter stating that he is pretty much denouncing and, um, you know, Jeho- being a Jehovah Witness. He's not going to be bring reproach on the religion and onto God's name. So that's how Thriller was made. And pretty much Michael Jackson was like, uh, we're not, you are now not under God's protection because you made Thriller because it's de- demonic. Wow. And same way with Prince, you know, Prince was a Jehovah Witness and, you know, certain songs he couldn't sing. Because and I get it, you turn your life around. I get that part, you know. So certain songs he went and sang because he was part of Jehovah Witness. So a lot of so if you go and do research, a lot of celebrities, um, you know, either grew up Jehovah Witness and they have mm-hmm. to either be inactive mm-hmm. or also too they have to denounce because of the lifestyle. And because I could always tell, like Childish Gambino, he grew up Jehovah Witness. I mean, amazing, creative, mm-hmm. amazing writer. Hey y'all. So here's the thing, as you might know. One of the major things that um, we take seriously or I take seriously is this healing journey that a lot of us are on. And you might have heard also most of our guests talk about their experience with therapy and how it has played a major part in this healing journey. I'm just wondering, how about you? Have you been thinking about therapy, but you're just not sure of finding the right fit? Well, guess what? You need to not think anymore. Our sponsors, BetterHelp, is here to help you. You get the chance to fill in a short survey and be matched with a licensed therapist who's trained to listen and to help you in as little as 48 hours. And if after the first few meetups, you still don't feel aligned, you don't need to worry. You can just go ahead and choose another. Get a 10% discount off your first month at betterhelp.com com slash umami that's betterhelp.com slash umami click the link in the show notes below 
and join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Blessings. I know you said that when you were se- when you turned 17, that's when you told yourself you don't want anything to do with Jehovah's Witness. But was there a time before that that you felt like there's something wrong with with this religion or were you just so because I think I mean I could be wrong right I feel maybe because of the fact that you lived in such like I would even call it somewhat of a balance with your mm-hmm. mother and father being from two different um belief systems mm-hmm. and then them sitting you down and providing you with core values for your life you know maybe you didn't necessarily feel like there was anything wrong but was there ever a time that you oh, felt oh my before God. that you're like what I'm going to tell you when I was a kid. I'm going to tell you when I was, no lie, first grade. First grade. I always been intuitive. And I knew like, I knew a lot of stuff was like, I can't rock with. (laughs) Like, even even that young, I was like, I don't want to rock with what my dad's doing. And I definitely don't want to rock with religion because it was just so restrictive. And I remember my mom had to come up to my schools all the time, had to check teachers, you know, because of, like I said, the holiday season. And I always felt excluded. So that's why I have no problem rocking by myself. I have no problem rocking with people because that's been my life. That's been my life since I was born. And also, too, I didn't like the conditional. It's kind of like you get this conditional love. And there's a lot of phoniness and fakeness when it comes to growing up as a Jehovah's Witness. I grew mm-hmm. up, my congregation was all black or just, you know, we had black, we had Spanish folks. So we had a different type of mixture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't rock with the fakeness and the phoniness. And I always knew that. And I just, it just didn't sit well with my soul. And I was like, I wow. can't rock with religion or even just, you know, being in social clubs or just a secret society that my dad was in. Cause I knew mm-hmm. all of it was just against my own. I guess I had my own moral compass at that age mm-hmm. too. Very um, young. And I was like, I can't, I can't. And I remember being so intuitive. And and sometimes I remember even suppressing my intuition because I was like, am I supposed to even feel this? Mm. And everything that I would feel, I'm like, it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. And like I said, religion can sometimes restrict that to the point you're like, oh, well, it's not God's voice. But that is God's inner voice telling you like, yo, that's something's off with this. Because once again, like you said, power and control. And then once I started doing research, I was like, this is religion abuse. And people don't have those conversations. It's religion abuse. It is religion abuse. Mm -hmm. Talking about you just you just spoke about you know hearing the the voice within and how religion shuts that down a lot of time. I really want us to to explore that a little bit because I didn't grow up. I grew up as a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, but I think for me, we kind of went to like we went to a few churches before we found like this one church that I spent. I would say most of my Christian life in, mm-hmm. uh, which was more of like a Pentecostal African church, mm-hmm. and they did a little bit of what you did, you know, like chastise people when they fornicated, called their name out, have them sit in the back. Um, they can participate in in anything and all of that stuff, you know? For me, going to that church, one of the things that it did do for me is that it it allowed me to see that I was powerful. Um, you know, it was a Pentecostal church, you know, like they had the gift of prophecy. They had all of these all of these things, like mm-hmm. all these spiritual gifts, it was happening. Like it was happening. <laughs> you know, them churches where you're just like, you, you're, you're like dancing in the spirit right. and you're, da- yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. All of that stuff, you know, and I got the chance to experience all of that. And then when my, you know, we call it, or I used to call it the Holy Spirit or mm-hmm. intuition, whichever, started to, you know, I would say speak to me a bit more. I remember I I went to, we would go to church and have conversations. We would go to like church meetings Mm -hmm. and I would share with the pastors or with whoever is there at that moment. Oh, I felt this. I heard this. I felt this. I heard this. And there's times where I remember one situation. Um, there was like a youth thing happening and the leader at that point, I went to him because everybody's sharing about like, oh, this and this and talking about prophecy. And I'm like, oh, I think maybe I have something. Mm-hmm. So I went to him and I told him that, um, oh, I keep seeing this and this and this and that, but I don't really know like how to tap in or like what to do with it. And he told me, oh, that's just your imagination. It ain't nothing. Mm. So me, I was just like, oh, okay. Right. So... 
anytime I would have like these visions or I would have these feelings Mm -hmm. or these things, I would push it down. Right. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I thought that my imagination was evil. Mm, One. Right. So hearing the word imagination, I was, you know, because there's this scripture that says pulling down every mm-hmm. imagination or something. I don't remember the scripture in right. my heart, but there's that word. You know, yes. So I was like, so me, I'm just speaking that word and like, pull, I pulled down every form of imagination, you know, like whatever. So every single time, every time something will come up, I would see something, I'll hear a vision, I'll have a dream or whatnot. I would just like, I, I would keep it. Keep it in, keep it right. in, keep it in. Until obviously like there are sometimes I'll say something and then like literally, as you said, the thing will happen. So I think for me, that's when I started to believe that, okay, I do have a gift, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the help. I didn't have the support from right. church, I would say. I'm not going to lie. I didn't have enough support to help me develop it, mm-hmm. you know, to help me tap in even deeper, right. tap in further. You know, and I think it's something that religion really does to us, especially I'm, I'm going to try to say this, especially when the elders see that you are a gifted child. Exactly. Because some of these elders, they, they I, I believe people have eyes yes. that sees deeper than what we, we physically see. And a lot of times I think that there are certain churches that people come into this church and they see, yes, they see who this child is. They see who you are. They see the gifts that's been given to you, mm-hmm. has been planted inside of you. And the first thing that they will think about is this child cannot come and take my place. That's it. That, that you hit the nail on the head because they don't want to pass on the baton and don't want to cultivate that gift. Cause it's like, how dare you? How dare you? And I believe, yes. And I believe that happened to me because when my mom got pregnant with me, like I said, it's a big age gap between my middle brother and I. It's a 12 year age gap. And my mom. That's like me and my sister. Yes. My youngest sister. uh And so people will tell my mother, that child that you are carrying is going to be a blessing. Well, if Mm. I'm going to be a blessing and y'all know me my whole life. You know, I say up to, yeah, up to the time I was like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Then why didn't you cultivate that? I said, wow, she's going to do dope things. She's going to do powerful things mm-hmm. because you got jealousy, you got envy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, like you said, elders can see you got the gift, but why can't I, why can't my gift be used in other ways for the kingdom? As a blessing to even exactly. you, like as a blessing to the, the congregation or to right. the church, to the people, to those that we meet each and every day, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I find it for me, it's really now that I stepped out of religion that I, I see and I understand what was going on this whole time because mm-hmm. I was having episodes, <laughs> girl, <laughs> I would have these really crazy episodes, you yes. know, and nobody really understood. And I think for me, it's like, because my spirit wanted to manifest, wanted to speak, but it's been caged so much that if you lose control. You do. You lose control because once again, we we gave our control and power away to these institutions. Ooh. Ooh. Say that again. We gave our power away, our power and control away to these institutions. And then we get beat down and then subconsciously we beat ourselves up. And then hence why we may have these meltdowns. We we have anxiety. We have depression. We have night tremors. I've been there and done that. And I still have to fight through those things. Um, That's what started me on my journey to therapy. I mean, I remember going to therapy when I was in undergrad school. Like I, I gotta get a hold of these night tremors, not knowing I'm experiencing PTSD. PTSD. I'm experiencing also too um vicarious trauma, secondary trauma, right? Yes, you yeah. know, and I think so many times we forget about that when you're witnessing, you know, women being under control and under this power, and then like, oh, yes. get you a husband. Mm-hmm. How are they going to get a husband? And, you know, they're under the control and of, of a leadership and they go get a husband. Well, he's not equally yoked because he doesn't believe the same thing. He's mm-hmm. not part of this religion, but it could be an amazing husband mm-hmm. for you, but you can't, he's you worldly. Can't you can't him. go there, you know, or you're going to get, and I heard that plenty of times you go and date a worldly dude, you're going to get punished. 
And you're mm-hmm. like, well, God is love. And I thought we was made in his image or her image or whoever you believe. So why would God punish me because um he may have provided my mate, but because he's not part of this religion, now I got to get reprimanded for it. So <laughs> it's just a lot of things that I'm still working through at almost 40 years old. So you're yeah, talking about so, from the time I was conceived to now, it's, I'm still working through those things. Yeah, yeah. And same here, um, Julia. Like, and you know, the thing is like, it keeps us in bondage. It keeps you in bondage. It keeps you in fear. Um, it keeps you away from tapping into discovering who you really are. You know, because I think one of the things, one of the most powerful things that I've been learning is the minute that you know your worth, you know how deserving you are. The minute that you know who you are, who this creator created you to be, the minute that you know the gifts that you have, the minute that you are in tuned Mm -hmm. with your womb as a woman, with your intuition, with your heart, the minute you're connected, no one, nobody can come and tell you anything. Exactly. And you know, and it's not because you're trying to be like, it's not like you're trying to be um, pompous or, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to be um, not humble or whatnot. It's just that, no, like um, I had one of the recordings with this girl and something she kept seeing with one of my guests. And one thing she kept saying, she's like, God gave us dominion. Mm -hmm. She's like, God has given like humanity dominion. He didn't give Christians There is no such thing as Christianity, as Jehovah Witness, Catholicism, Muslim, Hinduism, none of them, none of that, none of that was there. In the beginning, he gave us dominion. He gave, for those that believe in Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. he said he gave dominion to humans. He gave us this thing called free will. Yes. So why in the world are other humans Mm -hmm. trying to take away that free will that's been given Given to us us. right exactly and also you got to put imperfect because you are also imperfect as a human being yes and you trying to dominate other imperfect human beings that's not the way to go and that is once again is not christ-like is not god love is not part of first corinthians love is patient love is kind because a lot of these people are not kind people that are in these religious institutions and they're not practicing they're out of alignment when it comes to the word. Yes. Yes. And but so, they're the first one to speak the yes. word. And it, try to browbeat you over it. Literally. It's more It's more of like, um, do as I say and not as I do. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. listen to my voice, but don't don't act like me because. <laughs> and, and it's really sad that we, we see this. Like I haven't been in, in church in a while. The last church that I went to, to be very honest, was actually a pretty good one. Um, it's just that I felt it was time for me to step away from religion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made that decision. You know, Drea, I just want us to, you spoke about therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, can you walk us just a little bit? You have to go into deep. You don't have to go in, in into it too deep, mm-hmm. but just kind of walk us through like your experience um, going through therapy. Yeah. So I started therapy in undergrad school because when I changed my major, I said, I want to become the the best therapist ever. I changed my major from nursing to social work. And I said, if I'm going to go into another helping profession, I got to be my first patient. Yes. And I had to go to therapy and therapy was also shunned, you know, mm. when you're part of religion is also shunned. And I yeah. knew I had to have some checks and balances in my life. And in order for me to navigate life at, let me see, I was like 20. I need to have someone who is neutral mm. and not go talk to the brothers or the elders mm. and get reprimanded even more. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I went to therapy, I unpacked a lot and, and I had to rediscover Andrea at 20, 21, 22 and mm-hmm. be okay with saying I'm making a big decision for me because at that point in time, I was trying to please my mom. I was didn't want to get destroyed in this system of things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, am I really pleasing me and God? Because he's the ultimate creative of me. Mm-hmm. And when I discovered that I wasn't, like I said, I unpacked a lot in therapy and I've been in therapy on and off for 20 years and there's wow. nothing wrong with that. And like I said, it's not because you're crazy at the point I thought I was going crazy. And there was a point in my mm-hmm. life 
I would say the first two years of my of college, I was acting out, uh-huh. not being rebellious, but it was just yeah. like, man, I got a taste of freedom. And, you yeah. know, these people have been condemning me all these years. I'm mm-hmm. about to just wild out, wild not out. to the point, you know, like my, yeah. I, I was self-destructive, but yeah. to the point in which I was like, my life is out of balance. So mm-hmm. going to therapy have really helped me. And this, you know, when I tell my parents or more so my mom, she's like, what? Like, they, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just pray. You can't pray about everything and think uh, it's going to go away. Girl, and, tell um, me about it. Or Satan, you're under Satan's attack. I heard that too many times, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes too, it's like, no, this is self destruction, and this is this is years of me being oppressed mm-hmm. from not only the world but also to in a religion that religion. you think that's going to protect you from that. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, therapy has been a very amazing tool mm-hmm. for me. Journaling, also to having a support. Because a lot of people understand, a lot of people don't understand. Because um, I just feel like, you know, someone's like the PK kid, you know, they probably have some type of understanding. Because, you know, once again, it's like you cannot seek another another relationship or another religion outside of the one that you're in. Mm -hmm. So once again, it's me because I'm a scholar. Mm -hmm. I like to learn about any and everything. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, therapy have really helped me. And then also to... You know, being friends with other folks who is part of different religious practices, different spiritual practices, I get to see, okay, what's the difference between that and Jehovah Witness? Uh, I don't think I want to be down with that church. Mm. I don't think I want to be down with that religious practice. Mm. So that really has helped me and just, I'm, I'm continuously rediscovering who I am yes. without religion. And then from time, matter of fact, last night, my mom's friend was like, are you ever going to go um something about the Kingdom Hall? I looked the hell like, sis, this is not the um environment to have that discussion. Mm. Mm-mm. Because from time to time, like my mom will sleep, slip that in. Well, you know, Jehovah hasn't forgotten you. And when they think that you're not fellowshipping with other folks, that's Jehovah Witnesses or whatever the case is, they feel that you are being in God too. God is always with you. Yes, no matter what. No matter what. And, you know, like, yeah, you what you call it? You're going to reap what you sow. But I make sure I try to sow good seeds. Mm. You know what you just said? It just triggered a story. Um, This is something I haven't really shared a lot um, about God is always with you no matter what. And let me just share this story really quick. Life happened, went through a divorce, moved out, started living alone. I also started wilding out. And I had gone out with a friend when I were drinking, smoking. We're just, okay. It was a whole mess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and at that time I had like, you know, I was a Sunday school teacher where I used to be and Mm -hmm. I was still very, I wasn't, I didn't feel as connected to God, but I just knew that I still needed to hold on to him. So, you know, the night is ending and we're about to leave and I just feel very awkward. Mm -hmm. So I'm like looking around me and I tell my friend, I'm like, yo, I want to go home. And then my friend is like, why? Like she's high and drunk. Like, Mm -hmm. she's like, uh, Mm So I keep repeating and telling them, I want to go home, I want to go home. So we get into the car. Um, I'm not going to get into details as to everything that happened, but we get into the car and I'm realizing that these people are trying to harm me. And then within me, I literally start praying. So I turn around and I tell the dude, listen, you don't know who I am. Like, I know what you're trying to do. You're going to bring me home right now. Right. Like you're bringing me to my house. We're not gonna go drop anybody, anybody before. We're like, (laughs) and I got home, dropped me off. But in that moment, in that car, when I thought that there was no God because I was drunk, I was high. Mm -hmm. God protected me. Mm -hmm. You know, God, the universe, whatever that we want to call it at this stage, I was protected. I was shielded from harm because I actually had a dream about what was to happen. Oh, wow. Weeks before that. Right, right. So everything was just like unraveling in front of me. And I was like, but even when I was intoxicated, Mm -hmm. I just spoke to the creator of the universe, to the I am of I am. And I was shielded from harm. I was dropped home. I went in my house safely, locked my door. And at that moment, I said, I need to leave this city. (laughs) Uh (laughs) That moment, I was like, it's time for me to really leave this city. Right. You know, and then from there, I made plans for, for myself to leave. But all this to say that, and I'm so sure that there are people out there right now that are probably like perplexed into what to do with their lives. And they probably feel like, you know, like they're cast away. 
They mm-hmm. feel like nobody really loves them. But this God, universe, angels, whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> that whoever, however you want to call it, is there right. and loves us. It created us. Yes. Whether it created us through a big bang, whether we were created through evolution, whatever, however <laughs> it happened, it created you and I. Right. So not trusting in the words that these people that want to control us say, mm-hmm. but trusting in the fact that this being that I might not necessarily physically see is with me, this energy is with me. This spirit is with me, you know, and that experience for me, honestly, is something that I walk with all the time. It's something for me that I'm like, wow, because I thought that if you're drunk and high, God leaves you like, you're you're done. Right. But I was, I've never gotten this high in my life. (laughs) Yeah. And I was shielded once again do you get it right i get so, it so it's like god is with us right he is with us no matter what you exactly know? exactly because god is is love and god is a loving god and yes. i think people have to people have to really tap back into that because yes. humans are not humans are unconditional and humans can be yeah. Hella mean Very. and hella unforgiving. Very. But God is gonna forget you. You're not gonna supersede that. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I think we have to get out the way of like, oh, we letting a human dictate our lives. No, they don't, cause they're imperfect and they ain't perfect. they they make a lot of mistakes too. Yeah. So you know, um, that's an amazing story that you shared, and other people mm-hmm. need to hear that. And I mm-hmm. thought that for one, I was like, oh, you know, like God is gonna punish me, and I'm all like, no, no, cause God still mm-hmm. love you. And when he I used to hear you. that. Oh, God, you know, you abandoned God. Why? Because you think so? Who are mm, you? Mm. Something that um, a lot of these leaders need to come to a place to understand is that, yes, maybe God gave you, you know, this calling, they want to mm-hmm. call it, this calling, but it's not a calling to control people. Right. When you when you look at the story of Jesus Christ, the one that Christians follow, they say they follow, um, there was no form of control. Mm-hmm. There was no control anywhere the only thing this dude said was like follow me if you believe in my message literally and what was his message it was a message of love right that's it it was it's it's not that complicated folks no. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> it's really not that complex but humans we made we have made religion or the christian faith so complicated yes so complicated oh you're not going to go to heaven you're going to go to hell and also hell the story of hell yeah. the story of hell like i get it fine like you know you do bad okay fine we want to keep it but let's not use that as a form of punishment mm-hmm. to create fear in people right now and jehovah Wit- and and jehovah witness religion is no such thing as hell there's um the resurrection and that this world is going to be ended in armageddon and it's going to be a whole nother world and the people who didn't follow jehovah's principles and values you will not be coming to the another world you will not be mm. to the renewed world. So you're mm. pretty much going to be dead. There's no health in you. So dead is pretty much your personal hell. Mm. Um, and then, like I said, in Revelations, only 144,000 will be reigning in the heavens with Jehovah God. Yeah, that's scripture. So mm. it's, it's this concept of, okay, what if you just did one bad thing and you don't follow Jehovah Witnesses? You're not going to be resurrected? No. And for me also, this is something that I, I dealt with a lot, you know, this whole notion of, I would, I remember every little small, every, the smallest thing I would do, I'll, I'll go for, I'll repent. Mm-hmm. I was always repenting. I was always going to like Catholic churches because they were the only churches that was open, going to like pray and ask God to forgive me of my sins. Like it became and I feel like now I'm a little better at it. I didn't do therapy for that per se, because girl, I have so many other traumas that I needed to deal with. <laughs> like so many other traumas. Um, and But it's really by stepping away from religion for me and seeking this creator, seeking myself. Right. And I felt like the more that I sought for who I am in various ways, the more that I'm getting closer to God, the more mm-hmm. I'm getting closer to my higher self, my divine self, you know? And there's a shift, you know, there's a shift going on right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. where a lot of people are slowly opening their eyes. Yes. But then there's still a lot of people that are still caged. 
Definitely. Um, I want to ask you a last thing. Like you've shared so much. We've spoken a lot today. But out of everything that you've experienced, one of the things that I try to learn is that even when I'm experiencing pain or hardship, I need to find a lesson in it. Mm -hmm. What is the most important lesson that you've learned? To tap into my power and not give it away. That's a daily lesson for me because sometimes I do, I get solemn. I get sad. Yeah. I get remorseful. But then I'm all like, yo, you're not powerful and you don't even know it. Mm. And what does it mean to tap into your power? I mean, really just knowing my worth and value as I'll say, I want my friends, I said the other day, like Andrea 2.0 mm. and be okay with it and be okay mm. with people not rocking with me, whether mm. that's your family or your friends. Mm. Um, because like I said, a lot of people have turned their back on me, but I'm mm. still here. I'm yeah. still standing powerful and yeah. I'm still standing with this at 10 toes down mm-hmm. and that I'm still doing God's work. Being, right. I'm doing God's work by being an educator, being a professor and yes. really tapping into my students yes. and saying, yo, you can, you can achieve whatever. Um, yeah. So every day I have to make sure that I'm okay and I'm okay being powerful and being okay with like, Hey, you make mistakes in life. Dude, that means your life's going to be over with. And being okay with being judged. People going to judge you whether you do good, for the good, for the glory, for the kingdom. <laughs> and people going to judge you if you do, if you discover the earth. But, you know, I'd rather be judged for, like I said, doing um, the work, being purposeful and being on my my soul path. And I feel that I'm finally there. And it it yeah. took me a long, it took me a long time and it's okay. And I'm still working through those and things. It's okay. Yeah. And it's okay. So that's what I have truly learned. Um, you know, with all turning my pain into a purpose is really understanding to not give my power away because I had given away for so many years. I suppressed it. I suppressed, you know, even my gifts and being mm-hmm. okay with slowly but surely unpacking those things and saying, this is who I am, mm-hmm. you know, and I always tell people and I tell my students, I'm a safe space. I was like, because mm-hmm. trust me, I done been through it pretty mm-hmm. much all. And I'm yeah. like, I'm a safe space for myself and for other people to lay their burdens down mm-hmm. um, as well. Because like you mentioned earlier, you're not by yourself. And I really thought I was by myself until mm-hmm. I started seeing my homegirls mm-hmm. saying, nah, I'm going to go live my life and hearing other people's stories. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. I want to do that too. Exposure. Right. I think I, I share that with um in, in one of the episodes. Exposure is so important. It is. The more we're exposed to to people, the more you're exposed to a mommy conversation. <laughs> also. Honey, yes. <laughs> you you know, like you you open up. You'll you'll open up and see that this world is there for to live. Yeah. For you to live in it and to live fully. And to live joyfully, you know, mm-hmm. and to live with ease and flow yes. and not feel so like down all the time or condemned and bound. Right. Because there's so many of us that are slowly breaking out of this these bondages that, that we were in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And something you yeah. have sparked is I truly believe that I am breaking a lot of generation curses. Yes. Um, especially with the the women folk and my on both sides of my family. And mm-hmm. you have to be you have to be mentally, physically, spiritually tough, man. Yeah. And you have to be like, yo, I am, you know, denouncing a lot. And you're gonna have to turn your life around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, yo. That's why, like, my family looking like she's a different breed. They know yes. my family know they were like, don't yeah. mess with sis because I'm all like, listen, I'm not here for the foolishness. None of that. Yeah. And it's and you have to be comfortable with walking alone in your path sometimes because everybody mm. can't go. That's family members, that's your husband, whoever. Everybody can't go. And so sometimes you have to walk this path alone because you're gonna be elevated. But you know, sometimes you gotta stay, you gotta stay grounded because I'm telling you, God be God be working on all of us, but we have to choose to be open and vulnerable to receive yes. what he has for us. Or, you know, the universe or whoever you consider God. So, you know, it's it's tough, but you know, sometimes um you gotta what grow. You grow in your uncomfort zone. And I'm learning that every day. While even yeah. sometimes doing the ugly cry, having the meltdowns, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm growing. I'm growing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. 
Thank you so much for sharing part of you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. But just before you go, I have a little game that I like playing with my guests. um, Basically, I have seven questions. Okay. And out of the seven, they're really like silly questions, okay? Yay! Um, (laughs) I'd like you to choose a number and then um, ask, and I'll ask you the question from one to seven. Four. (laughs) Okay. Question number four. What would you be more comfortable doing in public? Farting or burping? Burping. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I told you they're really silly. Just to get it out the way, burping. Burping, yeah. Okay, makes sense. And just say, excuse me. And then Uh we move on. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Drea, thank you once again. Do you have any last word? I know you said a lot. Yeah, just stand on your power. Be authentically yourself. And don't don't suppress your, your inner God system. That's what I call it. Yeah, yeah. God system. Inner God system, which is GPS, God protective system, because God is protecting mm. you when you have that funny feeling. So don't ignore that. I don't care what doctrine you came from. Mm. It's there to protect you. So don't mm. ignore that. Really fully embrace that and be like, uh, this is a protection. And also yes. too, rejection is God's protection. So some things is just not meant for you and some things you're being protected from, whether that's your life, getting your feelings hurt, getting your feelings crushed is something you can't bounce back from. So that's my last words of wisdom. <laughs> Thank you so much, hon. We had Professor Dre with us today. Blessing, 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 blessing. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today. We do hope that you learn a thing or two out of this episode. Kindly follow us on all of our social media platforms. And yo, something great is happening. Look out for our website coming out fall 2022. Take care. See you next Thursday.